Welcome back to another edition of the Champs Corner podcast featuring Mark Jennings, the best in the business. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. You can subscribe to the Champs Corner podcast. Just go to any podcast platform like Google Podcasts, Apple, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox. Type in Champs Corner or maybe even Mark Jennings. You'll find our podcast. Subscribe. You can download pretty much any episode. They're all ever, it's all evergreen content that you want to listen to. It's been a pretty busy month. You know, Alabama lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. They've got their bowl assignment lined up, Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. So many coaching changes going on right now. A bunch of guys hitting the transfer portal, recruits getting close to their decision before the uh, the December signing period starts. So, uh, Mark Jennings, I know you've been a busy man. Let me, let me bring you on here. How, how have you been doing? Drew, I've been fantastic. You know, we're winding down football season. We're getting right up close to signing day coming up real soon. I'm, I'm excited, Drew. We've got bowl season coming up. I've been real busy educating recruits, going through some of these coaching changes, what they should be expecting, and, you know, talking to coaches and networking with them where they should go. So I've been doing fantastic, Drew. How have you been, how have you been doing? Yeah, I've been doing great. Just looking forward to Christmas and all that. Had a great Thanksgiving uh, so many coaching changes that I'm sure you have you've had your hand in, in many of them, as you tweeted about on your uh, Twitter handle at Mark Jennings fifty five. Are there any coaches in particular you want to talk about on the podcast that you got permission to talk about and how the transition from job to job went? Well, I probably should, but I'll just go ahead and tell you. I've been talking with the people uh, associated with Coach Kiffin over at FAU, and he became real concerned about a uh, Boca Raton and how what it was uh, turning into as a city and the safety involved there and how he was worried, you know, with those young kids he has, uh, how it wouldn't be a safe place for them. So I passed that information along to Keith Carter, who I knew from back when he was being recruited, uh, now the athletic director at Ole Miss. And once he got that information, uh, they made that happen. And now you see Coach Kiff is now the head coach at, at Ole Miss. So uh, as soon as he found out that Coach Kiff was 100% in, he went ahead and got rid of Matt Luke, and here we are. So. Uh, I'm excited, man. You know, I don't just work with the players, or I work with coaches too, and I'm excited to have to, have to do that for Coach Kiffin. I know he's really looking forward to being back in the SEC, and I'm happy for him. Well, Mark, that's interesting. Looking forward to see how Coach Kiffin does back in the SEC. You know, at Ole Miss, you know, coach, competing against Coach Saban on a yearly basis for recruits and in some of these big games. Um, there's been a lot of transfers, some, you know, Quarterback is a position where you're seeing some guys graduate transfer so they can find a place to play their one last year of college. Uh, is there anybody in particular that you would like to talk about that maybe you helped find a new landing spot? Well, sure. For, well, first I'll talk about one that I, I encourage to come out of the uh, transfer portal, and that's the Sco Scooby Carter, who's a freshman cornerback from Texas, goes to Alabama. Of course, you know. Uh, he was looking around. I convinced him and basically showed him the depth chart and told him that he'd be better off staying in Alabama, and that's what he decided to do. Uh, I think he could be a starter next year, to be real honest with you. Uh, I think the biggest name probably came out recently was Jake Bentley, came out of South Carolina, decided to transfer. He's going to go ahead and go to Utah. Uh, I'm excited for him. You know, of course, uh, he didn't mind making that religious conversion that he had to do uh, for moving to Utah. But I'm excited for him, Drew. And, I don't think we're done yet. There's going to be a lot more coming out pretty soon, leading up to bowl games and bowl practices. And, uh, uh, of course, I've got my, my ear in the water. We're going to see how things go. Yeah. When you talk about the religious conversion, can you exp expand a little bit more on that, what happens to a prospect when he decides he's going to attend uh, the University of Utah? 
Well, Drew, you know when you when you whenever you go to school in Utah, whether it be a Utah BYU or Utah State or uh, uh, any one of those places around Southern University, Southern Utah guy Division two football program, uh, you automatically convert to Mormonism. It's in the state law, I believe if you read it, uh, written by Joseph Smith, I think, in the Utah Constitution. So anyone that goes to school at a public school in the state of, or excuse me, any school in the state of Utah uh, must convert to Mormonism in order to attend there. And uh, I'm happy for him. Uh, he seems to be content with his decision. I, you know, sometimes family can get involved and that be kind of tricky. I don't know about all that. But uh, Jake seems pretty happy with his decision. He seems pretty happy part of the Utah football team. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Jake Bentley does his final year. He had a good start to his career at South Carolina, got hurt this year, set out most of the year as a medical redshirt after getting hurt in that first game. So it's a nice start for him. You know, Utah is a pretty good program. Was close to making the college football playoff this year. So maybe Jake Bentley will have a chance. I think Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, is going to be moving on. Um, you know, speaking of f- football right there, uh, the business side, you know, obviously you had such great success with the Dippin' Dots at the Alabama home football games, especially the alcohol-infused Dippin' Dots, the special flavor, special highlighted flavors of the game. Um, what's any, any business ventures going on in this offseason for you? Well, I was really hoping to be able to use a podcast to announce something pretty big, but uh, unfortunately it fell through. We were very close to coming uh, – uh, Dippin' Dots is very close to coming the title sponsor of the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, we were really looking forward to it. We thought we were right there, but it fell through at the last minute. You know, we didn't do enough to uh, – let me put it this way. We didn't do enough to please the mayor, and uh, it was really the only thing that could go wrong, and uh, he wasn't very happy uh, with our proposal. Um we didn't. He didn't think that the proposal did enough for him personally. Uh, if you could figure out what I'm saying there, so uh, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the kids. Uh, you know, we're going to be able to put together some fantastic uh, swag gifts. I believe is what the kids call it. Uh, and we're going to have uh, you know fantastic payouts from schools. Uh, they were all ready to go, but it, you know, got taken out from until the last minute. But that's the that's the you know as I learned from working with the iron. That's the price of doing business in Birmingham. So. Apparently, they got some ticketing agency no one's ever heard of to be the sponsor uh, of the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, and it's, you know, it's fine, good for that company or whatever. I'm just disappointed for the kids and the conferences uh, that they can't have uh, what we at Dippin' Dots were going to offer. Yeah, that's very disappointing. I know you had some troubles with uh, with the mayor when uh, when you were part or minority owner of the Birmingham Iron last, uh, last spring. It's going to be the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl featuring Boston College against number 21 Cincinnati January 2nd at 2 p.m. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. I don't think our listeners really care too much about the about the Birmingham Bowl, but I know they are list, they are interested, Mark. You tweeted out your Heisman ballot. You know, you've been a Heisman voter for at least this year and, and last year, maybe beyond that, but uh, all I've seen is your Twitter feed when you when you've announced your Heisman votes on Twitter. You know, they, they're going to announce the winner this coming Saturday night. You went ahead and put major vote public, even though they asked you not to. Or maybe you brokered a deal, a deal with the Heisman Trust. Can't really remember. You can explain that as you want. But uh, why don't you go ahead and, you know, it seems like Joe Burrow's got the best odds of the quarterback from LSU, and you've been very high on him all year long. But why don't you go ahead and share your vote and, and why you made the decision to rank these players the way you did? 
Well, I, I voted, uh, you know, I voted Joe Burrow third. And uh, to be honest with you, I think I probably should have left him off altogether. You know, we look at guys, you know, the highest of trophy. It's not just for the best player. It's about the players that have high integrity and high character. And, and frankly, I don't know if Joe Burrow fits that mold. You know, you look at his uh, so his tweets. He had some, let's just call them inflammatory tweets from back when he was 11 and 12 years old. Uh, and let's be honest, Rue, when you do something when you're 11 or 12 years old, that's who you are as a person. You never change or never grow from that. So uh, that's just who he is, and that's disappointing. And I couldn't honestly vote for him number one uh, for the Heisman. Uh, when it's an award given to such high-character guys, you know, talking about Paul Horning, uh, John Manziel, Johnny Rogers, Billy Cannon, O.J. Simpson, really high-character guys. And I don't know if Joe Burrow is really in their class based on what he tweeted out uh, when he was a, a fully mature 11-year-old. And I really can't do that, Drew. And, uh, um, I, I, you know, I went back and forth. Uh, were the tweets enough uh, for him to make me not vote him number one? Yeah, but then I couldn't justify taking him off the ballot altogether. So I ended up having him number three uh, in the country. Uh, and I feel good about that. That's where I left. Number two is Jalen Hurts. Look at what he did this year uh, going against elite defenses like, uh, you know, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and the Big 12. Uh, really, with the numbers he put up, I thought he was number two. And number one, I had Justin Herbert of Oregon. Uh, frankly, he's the best pro prospect in the draft. He's carved up those elite defenses you see in the Pac-8, uh, you know, uh, play Colorado, Washington State, Utah, the Pac-12 championship game, even out-of-conference games like Nevada or Montana. Uh, you know, he didn't get a lot of love, basically, because people in this part of the country don't respect Pac-8 football and don't respect uh, games, teams out west and players out west. But frankly, I thought he was the best football player in the country all year, and he's more deserving to win. I don't think he's going to win because of the bias, the geographical bias that people around here have against uh, teams from out west. Um, but it, you know, you know, we're talking, you know, I'm talking about here, these reporters around here, these small town local guys, your Michael Casagrandes, those types, they're not going to vote for anybody that plays football west of the Mississippi. So, uh, yeah, it's disappointing to me. He obviously deserves to win. He's not, but, uh, that's just the type of world that we live in. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It seems like a lot of these voters must have just went ahead and made their mind up before the conference championship games. Cause I know ballots, people were able to start making their votes, you know, as early as last Monday or Tuesday, right? Yeah, everybody knows about, you know, up to 95% of the voters, it's a rough estimate. Probably they they, they vote before the championship games even occur. They know what the order is and what happens in the championship game doesn't matter and they're not going to change it uh, for the Monday after. So, uh, you know, I, I take my vote very seriously, Drew, as a member of the, the college football uh, media, I guess. I don't think of myself as a media member, but that's how I got to vote. But um, I, I waited because I take my job as a voter very seriously. And, and that's really, after watching that Utah game, that just solidified in my mind that Justin Herbert was the best player in the country. All right. Unfortunately, he didn't get invited to New York City for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Like you said, I think it is because of the, the voter bias. Mark, who was it that you voted for last year to win the Heisman Trophy? Do you remember? I do remember Drew, and frankly, I, I, I'm disappointed that he wasn't able to play any more college football. Mackenzie Milton was really a generational talent. Again, another guy who was discriminated against because of where he played. But uh, I, 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 you know, honestly, 
they should let me be the only voter. We can get this Heisman thing figured out and get it right. But uh, I understand that there are other people in the country who think uh, they know what they're talking about and they got to make them feel special, give them a Heisman vote. And it, it is what it is, Drew. Nothing I can do about it. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Tua Tungavailoa, who finished second in the Heisman voting last year. Obviously, was not a finalist this year since he got injured in the uh, third to last game of the regular season at Mississippi State and missed a game in the middle of the season as well because of that. So uh, he's he's had some he's done some media availabilities. He's you know he's talked about his injury. He's had the hip surgery. Uh, Mark, what kind of rumors are out there about how severe his injury is, and uh, what are you able to share from what you know about the progression of his? You know, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but what are you able to share? Well, I just want to clarify. There's been a lot of misinformation uh, coming around and being shared by people on these internet sites uh, that really don't know what they're talking about. A lot of people saying the fracture looked like a of the rear wall of his hip, or like a spider web. Uh, that's not even remotely true. Uh, someone who's actually seen the scans and seen the X-ray, that's not remotely what happens. If you look like it, you know, you take a, a, a wine glass. And you, you, you hit it on the counter accidentally and it chips. Um, you know, maybe you've had one too many and you slip and you hit the wine glass and it chips. Uh, that's what his hip looks like, Drew. To be honest with you, it's, it's a, obviously it's a major injury. It, it required him to go to Houston to have surgery, uh, thanks to my recommendation. But um, it's not something that's going to end his career. He's going to long road of rehab ahead, but he can certainly come back from that and recover. So as long as he does the rehab right, he should be fine moving forward as a quarterback and an NFL prospect. Okay. Well, uh, he's got to think until January 20th or so to make a decision if he's going to go ahead and forego his senior season and go to the NFL early Um before the injury, all things considered, he's probably going to be a number one, two or three draft pick. And and things have taken a turn down for Tua since then. But I wonder how far down, uh, Mark, what do you think Tua, where do you think Tua Tungvalu will be next fall? Will he be a professional athlete somewhere or still in college? Well, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure that even he knows at this point. What I told him to do, and I'm glad he took it, was hold the press conference and uh, say he was still making up his mind and, and see if he can get an NFL team with a top 15 pick to give him a guarantee. So, uh, to my knowledge, that has not happened yet. He still has time to come back, and if he wants a red shirt a year and do a grad transfer, he can go to somewhere like LSU or Oklahoma and still be a number one over, overall pick. And then he can still earn that millions of dollars in the NFL for a 15-year career. So, he's got time. Uh, he got until January 20th. The last thing that we want him to do is rush his decision. And I'm sure he's going to make it right when he has great people around him. Uh, you've all, you know, you've, you've heard about and read about his family. So uh, he has a good uh, backbone behind him, a uh, good, strong people behind him. He's going to make the right choice. All right. And so Alabama has several NFL uh, potential guys who could leave for the NFL a year early. And mock drafts have had, you know, I think around eight or so guys potentially in the first round. And then you see guys fall far off, like, you know, Deontay Thompson and Mac Wilson. Some thought they'd be picked in the first round at various points throughout the season, and they fell way later in the draft. So you look at guys like Tua Tungavailoa, running back Najee Harris, receivers Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, offensive tackles Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, long snapper Thomas Fletcher, uh, you know, linebackers and Terrell Lewis, Dylan Moses, and then safety Xavier McKinney. Of those guys, Marco, what are you hearing about their uh, about their decisions that they've got to make? 
Well, we just talked about two, and I said he's on the fence. Uh, Najee Harris, he's gone. Jerry Judy, he's gone. Uh, they, he won't play in the bowl game. Uh, Devontae Smith, he's, he's going to come back. That's what it's looking like. Uh, Henry Ruggs is on the fence. Alex Leatherwood's gone. Jedrick Wilson's on the fence. Uh, Thomas Fletcher, uh, you know, the best uh, long snapper really in history of the game. He got a, stick, he got a third-round draft pick. Excuse me, Drew. He got a third-round draft pick, but he's going to come back. Uh, Terrell Lewis, he's gone. He won't play in the bowl game. Dylan Moses is probably going to come back. He's going to try maybe work out and see how it goes and get some NFL teams to look at him at a pro day, uh, see if he's recovered from his injury. But he's probably coming back. And uh, McKinney, he's on the fence too, but he's probably leaning to come back. I'd probably put him at 55-45 coming back. So um, it's, it's going to be a long way to go, uh, again, until they have to declare. And we could see, you know, it could be that all of them leave or all of them come back or some combination of the two. So we're going to see how it goes. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've, I've known all these guys and uh, just want to help them through the recruiting process. And I'm just real excited for them. And it's a great decision they have to make. And I'm, I'm so happy for them, Drew. Yeah, and it's really not just these guys who have a chance to play at the next level. Let's talk about three more guys. One of them is a senior with Raquan Davis, the defensive lineman, who came back. He probably could have gone pro last year, might be still playing somewhere. And then you look at offensive lineman Landon Dickerson, who played center this year for the Crimson Tide, a little bit of guard as well. And then Deontay Brown started at right guard after he was suspended for the first four games of this season. So what's the latest on these guys? Is are the you know, do you expect Raquan Davis to play in the bowl game versus Michigan and are Dickerson and Brown, either one of those two guys, do they have a chance to maybe uh, surprise some people and declare for the draft? Well, Deontay Brown could certainly go pro this year. He's my top three. He's one of my top three run-blocking guards as far as draft eligible prospects go. So he's really one to watch out for. Raquan Davis, you know, he's a senior. Uh, you mentioned he could have gone hurt last year, uh, gone out last year, excuse me. He's hurt right now. He's not going to play in the bowl game. A uh, guy who really gave it all for the Alabama football program. So uh, I hope he has a lot of success at the next level. Uh, Landon Dickerson, honestly, I think he needs to move back to guard and they need to go with Dahlcourt or Echior on the uh, next year at center. Dickerson really struggled at points on the uh, as a center this year. Even simple things like forgetting the cadence, it caused a lot of false starts for his teammates. And uh, uh, so he really struggled that position. I'd like for him to go back to guard next year, maybe take a, a Deontay Brown spot. All right. Well, that's interesting. So Alabama's playing Michigan in the Citrus Bowl January 1st, 11 a.m. Central time. And if you remember a few years ago, uh, Najee Harris was a five-star recruit, and he wouldn't really – he committed Alabama early, but Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh really tried to get him to flip late. He decided not to in the long run. Mark, what are some of your thoughts on this ball game, and do you expect Najee Harris to suit up for the Tide? Well, uh, you know, you brought up Najee Harris. I'm thinking back to a few years ago when all the Michigan men were all over me with guards to Najee Harris and be guaranteeing that he wasn't going to Michigan. And uh, they didn't like that very much. So, it's uh, you know, it's ironic, I guess, that Alabama-Michigan play and what's probably going to be uh, Najee's final game, if he, if he even does play and wants to protect the draft status. So, I haven't, I'm not sure yet what that's going to happen with there. But uh, – um, I'm interested to see how it happens with this matchup. If Najee doesn't play, I can, you can expect uh, Brian Robinson to get about 18 carries for about 40 yards, which he didn't want to do. Uh, you know, I've been telling the coaches all along to play Keelan Robinson more with his breakaway speed, but uh, they've been kind of stubborn leading Brian Robinson in. So 
Uh, we're going to see. I'm interested to see how the running back rotation goes if Najee doesn't play and how many carries that Brian Robinson gets compared to Keelan Robinson. So uh, that's really what I'm looking forward to the most in this game coming up is just seeing all these young guys, uh, seeing what they can do against a big-time opponent like Michigan. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully Keelan Robinson play a role against this team like Michigan, a top 15 team to see what he can do because he had some big moments against Duke, you know, against New Mexico State, against uh, the Citadel long runs. But obviously this is a big step up in competition right now. So uh, one little note that I, that we were interested in, some, some, of, uh, some loyal listeners were asking me about to pass this long. Former Alabama defensive lineman Josh Frazier's mom put out a blog post really criticizing Coach Nick Saban. And I'm not going to go into the blog post. If you really want to read it, just Google Josh Frazier, Josh Frazier mom, Nick Saban. You'll find it on the first page of the search results. But, uh, you know, she's basically giving advice for these, you know, solid so, – parents need to have a solid action plan in place for how to get out. And she wishes that, you know, her son had just gone to an HBCU – well, Josh Frazier played a little bit with a Birmingham iron, and obviously, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, you are a minority owner for the Birmingham iron before you uh, sold your shares right before the, the league folded. Made a lot of money on that, but I'm sure you got a chance to watch the practices and how Frazier was. What, uh, what was he like with the Birmingham iron, and, and why do you think maybe he didn't have a bigger role at Alabama? Well, he contributed some with the iron. He wasn't a starter; he was a player, and he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't, he, he wasn't a playmaker. Uh, uh, one of the stars that you think about for that team. So, uh, but he was at Alabama. He you know, he played some for the he played some for Alabama. Frankly, he was kind of a socially not a didn't have a lot of friends. Let me put it that way. Uh, he's kind of an odd guy. Kind of weird meeting him. Uh, doesn't I don't think he has a lot of social IQ. Is probably a good way of putting that. Um, didn't have a lot of friends. I think that probably negative affected, uh, impacted his play at Alabama, why he didn't do much there. Um, so it, he, he's, uh, he, he's been through a lot. I think he's somebody that we all need to be praying for, he and his family. And obviously, he's gone through some tough times. And uh, uh, I'm going to reach out to him and see if I can do anything to help him and help his family and see what I can do. Maybe help Vincent Vincent over there between. Uh, what's going on with him and what happened in Tuscaloosa. So we're going to see how that goes. But uh, it really is an unfortunate situation. All right. Well, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Uh, you know, there's so many recruits that are going to be making their decisions signing in the early period. We'll break all those guys down for a later podcast this month after the signing period starts. And uh, when we get into these listener questions, and we got a lot that we're going to get to for this one, Mark, why don't you tell everybody how they can follow you on social media for the latest recruiting updates and to send you questions for podcasts? Absolutely, Drew. You know, we get great questions every week, and thank you guys to all the millions of listeners that we have. If you want to send us a question, you can tweet at me. My Twitter handle is at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. Or you can email me. I believe that we have still have our subscription set up so I can get email. If you want to email me, email me at MarkBreaksDownFilm at AOL.com. That's one word, MarkBreaksDownFilm at AOL.com. You can find me there, or you can find me on Twitter. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. And I can't wait to see what questions we have this week, Drew. Absolutely. Let's get to some of this. And I know you've covered some of it in the podcast. Uh, but uh, Gary Lloyd at Gary A. Lloyd. Mark, could you please discuss your thoughts on if Najee Harris should play in the Citrus Bowl and if he should suit up for his former school in Michigan? Thanks for all you do. 
Well, that's a really tough question. You know, you're asking a guy to maybe go out and play one more time, which really an exhibition game, and uh, go out there and maybe risk injury and risk all those millions of NFL dollars. You know, on, on the other hand, you know, you're, you know, it's a team game. He's grown up with those guys. He's been part of the program the last three years. I'm sure he wants to go out there and play for those reasons. So, um, I really can't make that decision for him. Uh, you know, if it were me and if it was my son, I'd, I'd encourage him to go ahead and sit out. But I can't. I don't know what's going through Najee's mind or his family's mind. And so we're going to see how that goes. Uh, honestly, I, I, it's up to him, and he's going to make the right decision either way. All right. Blake Raspberry underscore – Blake underscore Raspberry, R-A-S-B-U-R-Y on Twitter. Mark, how often does Agent Jimmy Sexton ask for your advice during the coaching carousel season? I imagine this is a very busy time for the both of you. Thanks for all you do. Well, we do keep in touch, but usually he's asking me what uh, other coaches are getting in their salary negotiations and what those are going to be. So you can have a barometer on what to ask for his clients. So uh, I just try to keep informed that way, keep each other informed, and I know what his clients are going to get, and I can inform other agents. So uh, I'm kind of the the middle of the wheel, the cog of the wheel, if you will. Uh, You got all these agents contacting me, and I'm keeping them all informed about what everybody else is getting. So. I talked to Jimmy a couple of times, a few times a year during coaching, uh, coaching carousel season, as you called it. Uh, he's a good friend. We go way back. And uh, that's, that's about all I can say about that one right now. I obviously can't disclose any info on, on salary information at this point. All right. We hear from Matthew Pate at Matthew CP8. Mark, what is the best steakhouse in the Birmingham area to watch this weekend's Army-Navy game? Hoping little Marcus has a wonderful Christmas. Well, you can't go, you know, lots of great steakhouses around. And my favorite's uh, one, I don't know if they have one uh, all over, maybe just local Birmingham. It's uh, called Ruby Tuesdays Group. Uh, you go out there have a fantastic steak they can do for you, steak, potato, uh, steak baked potato. Uh, they can really set you up the whole thing. They have other stuff as well. So it's not just a steakhouse. They have other things. They'll get you a cheeseburger if you want that. So uh, uh, Ruby Tuesdays, without a doubt, the uh, my favorite steakhouse. And, when I need to go relax or I've had a long week or, you know, and get in a fight with a wife or something, I always go to Ruby Tuesdays and, uh, and cool off a little bit. Yeah, there's uh, looks like three Ruby Tuesdays, Mark, in, in the area. None of them are in Hoover. You got one in Bessemer, one in Alabaster, and then one uh, kind of more in the Birmingham. Looks like a little north Birmingham, maybe in the uh, – actually looks like it's in the Trustville area in Leeds, so – Looks like there's a lot of great great options for a Ruby Tuesdays, and none of them are in Hoover. Yeah, it's even better. You get to stay safe. Of course, my favorite going back way back was Quincy, but I, I think they went out of business a few years ago. So, uh, But that's neither here nor there, Drew. All right. Well, uh, Miles Espy, at Espy Miles, asks – he's got an uh, entertainment-related question. Uh, Mark, should I unsubscribe from Netflix and purchase the Disney bundle, which is Disney Plus – Hulu and ESPN plus for a monthly fee of 1299. Thanks for your cinematic expertise. Well, I'm not a big believer of all these streaming services of having them all simultaneously. I don't understand why you don't get Netflix for a month and then watch all the stuff on Netflix and then swap over and get your Disney plus for a month and then watch all it and then go to your HBO now and then watch all it, your Showtime and watch and just alternate from month to month. 
you don't need to be spending a hundred dollars a month on these streaming services when you can just rotate around for ten to fifteen dollars a month and still want to binge all the shows that you watch that's you know and just get them all out of the way so uh you know very few people are still watching the the, the television shows on a week-to-week basis they're putting them on the dvr you know they're going to other other you know yeah if you get them on the dvr and watch them all at once you should do the same thing with your streaming services to be real honest with you so that's the most cost effective way i would go about it uh, i certainly wouldn't subscribe to all of them at once uh right now what we're seeing in the industry i think we're really oversaturating the market with streaming services and so you're going to see some pushback there. You're going to see people doing what I'm telling them to do and rotating, or they're going to download the stuff illegally, which I highly recommend you don't do. Um, that'd be pretty disgusting. That's really, that's basically theft uh, or burglary or whichever one it is. So uh, I highly suggest uh, to save you some money, say, especially the Christmas season coming up and kind of expensive, uh, to go ahead and just rotate those streaming services from month to month and not have them all at the same time. Yeah, that's that's great advice there, Mark. Uh, we hear from Josh Clackler. Uh, Clack asks, Mark, what advice have you given Coach Brad Bohannon about our upcoming baseball season? Well, there's not really much advice I can give him. I really like what he's doing with the program. You know, he's basically started from nothing. He's having to build it all the way up. He's going to have a talented squad this year. They're going to be pretty young. Pitching's going to be a problem, but they're going to be a lot more talented this year than they have been previously. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do, you know, uh, uh, be an exciting team. I think, uh, the results might not be there on the field, but I think you'll be able to, the fans of Alabama baseball are going to tell and be able to see marked improvement this year compared to last year. All right. We hear from at Hughes Hancock one, or excuse me, uh, at Hughes underscore Hancock one, Mark, would you please weigh in on a boneless wing debate? Are they really wings or are they just nuggets? Well, I mean, it depends. How do we define a wing? Are we do? Are we talking about a wing literally? Like, if when I eat a chicken nugget, I'm not eating a literal nugget, right? That's what right. they call it. Right. Right. So, uh, when I'm eating a chicken wing, does it by definition have to be a chicken wing, like an actual wing? Because that's really all this is talking about, right? How do we define wing? Is it a literal wing, or is it some metaphorical wing just representing a piece of chicken we can hold in our hands? I think the latter right there. Well, I don't know. Well, why do you think that? Well, because when I go to Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that and I order, I usually go for the boned wings, and they just bring me 12 pieces of chicken or six pieces of chicken or, excuse me, you know, six little bones about the size of a finger with some chicken meat around it. Yeah, but those are, that's an actual wing of the chicken. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then yeah. – the, so uh, how do you can't have a wing that doesn't have bones? By definition, a wing has bones in it. Right. It's like you know uh, an arm. Your arm has a bone in it. That makes it. That's why it's your arm, or your hand, or your wrist. That's why it is what it is because the bones that define it. So is the wing that you're eating is it defined by the bone, or are we dividing wing as some other term? I've never thought about it that way. I don't write the dictionary, Drew. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. All I'm doing. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, Hughes. Uh, hopefully, you got any, you, you got more to think about in this situation. Hey, let's go to Jonathan Kingsford's question at Elephant Stomp ninety two. If Justin Herbert, in parentheses, the clear favorite, does not win the Heisman, how big of an upset will that be? Is it comparable to Mackenzie Milton getting robbed last year? 
Well, first off, Mackenzie Milton did get robbed last year, and I'm thankful that you brought that up. Uh, I wish I could call it an upset if he doesn't win this year, but I went through before. You have some much of small-minded media members who won't vote for a Heisman candidate west of Mississippi. So uh, that's disappointing. Uh, so, unfortunately, it won't be an upset. Really, it should be because he's not going to win, apparently. But it really should be an upset uh, that he won't win the Heisman this year, and that's, uh, that's disappointing to me. Um, but it is what it is, Drew. I can't control the college football media. I can't force them to actually watch the games. Uh, I wish I could. Uh, maybe they should do something where to be a Heisman voter, you have to watch so many games of teams outside your area. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But I wish it was an upset, Jonathan. Thank you for your question. All right. And then Paul Graham, we got a couple more questions. Paul Graham asks, how do you reconcile Ole Miss's firing of Matt Luke because of his weight with their hiring of fellow Porker Lane Kiffin, seems like a double standard to me. Thanks for being the best in the business. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, I was pretty shocked when when I heard, you know, I, I obviously told Keith Carter Lane Kiffin was interested, and they're still interested even after seeing his weight gain. So that was really surprising to me. Uh, I hope Coach Logue, though, is talking about him first so they able to get his weight under control uh, and really become a healthy member of society. We don't want to have – you wouldn't want to be a situation where taxpayers are having to pay for his diabetes care or, or pay, pay for his obesity. Uh, that's something that we don't want to do. So uh, I hope he gets healthy and really dedicates dedicate himself to fitness. Uh, Lane, you know, you're exactly right about Lane. He's been uh, – he's maybe eating a little, little few too many boneless chicken wings, uh, or if those exist. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got to get in shape too. I'm hoping that uh, – you know, being in Oxford and, and being that, you know, maybe find some healthy places to eat there in Mississippi and uh, uh, he can get a little bit in shape, maybe hit the hit the fitness bike, maybe get himself a Peloton or something. Uh, maybe get whoever he's dating the Peloton and they can do Pelotons together. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping they both get in shape pretty soon, Drew. Yeah, me as well, Mark. Finally, we hear from TD. Mark, what went on behind the scenes the past few days that kept your good friend Houston Nutt from getting back on the sideline in the SEC? Well, uh, first off, it is disappointing that Houston Nutt hasn't gotten back on the sidelines. He certainly deserved a shot at this point. Uh, to be, you know, part of the problem for him was, you know, two of the three jobs open were Arkansas and Ole Miss, and he wasn't going to get any of those for obvious reasons. And frankly, I don't think he's a very good fit at Mizzou, so – uh, you know, the South Carolina job is probably going to come open next year, I would guess. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be a great candidate there. Uh, you know, Mississippi State might come open pretty soon. He'd be a great candidate there. So, hopefully in the next couple of years he can find the right fit and get back in coaching in the SEC. Yeah, Houston Nutt's a pretty nice guy. When I covered UAB for AL.com and they had a coach opening before they hired Bill Clark, I – Somehow was able to track down Houston Nutt's number, and he basically started calling me back every day after that to see what I was hearing. And yeah, it seemed like he was really interested, not just that job, but just any job. So maybe not just the SEC, but hopefully some other – hopefully someone will get him back on the sideline. I know he's been chomping at the bit to get back into it. So uh, anyways, that will wrap up this edition of the Champs Corner podcast. Uh, Please go subscribe on any podcast platform. Uh, rate us, review us. You know, twit mark a question or a uh, you know any any podcast suggestions. You know, maybe we'll have another show after the after the signing period starts before Christmas. We'll have to see. Mark, I know you got with little Marcus. It's uh, I'm sure you've got a pretty big Christmas plan for him this year, don't you? 
I do, Drew. He's getting up to the page where he can start remembering Christmas. So um, hopefully we can get that going for him and have him be really excited. So uh, we haven't any shop for him this year yet. You know, the wife usually takes care of all that. But uh, we got a great Christmas plan for him. We're going to see how it goes and hope he enjoys it. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this podcast. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Drew, as always, it's fantastic coming on your podcast. I hope you're excited about the bowl games as much as I am, and I hope to talk to you again real soon. I can't wait. And everybody else, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Later.